this morning on the subject, Thanks to the Saints. Amen. And I'm going to read from Colossians, the first chapter. I told Paul, probably only going to preach about 15 minutes, and he about passed out. So we'll see how it works out. Amen. So in, uh, while you're looking at Colossians, the first chapter, we'll look to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we thank you for the word of God this morning that leads and guides us into all truth. We pray, Lord, that you'll have your hand not only on me as I speak, but on the, the minds and the ears and the eyes of those within the congregation here that can hear and see uh, your will that you want them to perform in their lives. So guide us, we pray, to be the people you've called us to be and help us to be stronger in you. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Colossians, in reality, the Apostle Paul, if you'll read this as a letter, just sit down and read it from Colossians 1 right on through to the end of the letter. Many times in this letter he uses the word thanks, and many times what he is saying is a result of how thankful he is for that church. Now, I have to take a, a step back and say I feel the same way as a pastor, and I want to read what he says here in the first three verses and see, and just keep that in mind that, uh, that Paul is trying to say thanks to this church in Colossae. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are in Colossae. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, we, who's we? Paul and Timothy. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Isn't that something? He wanted them to know he really appreciated what they was doing. Now, are they the perfect church? Probably not. Are we the perfect church? Probably not. Are we growing? Amen. That's our goal. That's what God put us here to do. But this opening statement to this letter at the church of Colossae was written in the first century by a people or by a couple guys that were really thankful and inspired by the Holy Ghost to say, thank you for all you've done in being the church here at Colossae. And without the church, and as you drive around different cities, as you drove in this morning, some of you probably passed quite a few places where churches are gathering. It may be an, uh, a what we'd call a traditional church building with a bell tower and, and uh, whatever, or traditional buildings that look like warehouses that uh, they're assembled there to worship God, all different kinds of places with a sign in front of it saying that they're a church and they want to do what God's will is for their life. But Paul said in Colossae, there was a group of people he was really thankful for. Amen. And now as I read that introduction to that letter, I was drawn to think about, huh, what would I write to Faith Christian Fellowship if I was writing a letter to them in 2021? Well, so I wrote it down. Verse number one, I dude, senior pastor, 
called of God to lead the church with the help of my Holy Spirit wife into the consistent will of God by obeying the truth. Verse 2, to all the faithful saints, past and present, that have done the work that the Word of God and the Spirit of God had laid on our doorsteps in carrying out our ministry. That the that have been faithful and fruitful without waver to see the glory of God rest on our fellowship, grace and peace fill your soul and spirit from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, we, dude and Bonnie, give thanks for you in constant, fervent prayer for all you always are doing in the work of God because of the love and patience you've developed and that you display with us in the faithful ministry we have endeavored to see come to fruition here in Mason, Ohio, in the church. Huh. That's the first three verses that Paul wrote to Colossae. That's the first three verses I would write to you. I'm thankful for all the saints. Amen? You see, Paul and Timothy were thankful to those saints because they realized, and so does Bonnie and I, the kingdom work can't be done by just a couple of people. Can't be done by just a handful of hit or miss. Can't be done by those that just wait on whichever way the wind's blowing to see if they want to let God control their lives or not. They just, you just can't operate the kingdom of God on people like that. And Paul was probably looking at this church in Colossae. Now Paul was instrumental in covering a lot of territory in his lifetime, the first century church, establishing churches basically everywhere he went. And he wrote letters back to them from time to time. That's why we have nearly a third of our New Testament were letters that Paul had to write back. You notice that Colossae is all, uh, the church there got one of the smallest letters. To me, that speaks volumes. You know why? It shows me that they were attentive. They were in tune, not only with what Paul and Timothy taught them, but that they took advantage, and even he expresses it in this letter, to take time to make sure they had that personal relationship and walk with God. If everybody that comes to church leaves here knowing that they have to have that personal relationship and they put the effort in it that God wants them to put in it to walk with God, to pray with God, to read God's Word, to allow the Holy Spirit to visit them, they're going to have a successful church in the community where they're at. Now, he had to write two letters, and both of them are gigantic letters, if you want to say that, into the church at Corinth. Huh. And you'll read those letters. If you read them from cover to cover, they had problems. They had some real issues. And Paul, in a lot of cases, was pointing a bony finger at them and saying, what are you guys doing? He didn't have to do that to the church at Colossae. My job is not to straighten you out. Amen? 
That's the Holy Spirit and the Word of God's job. I am just to present the Word of God, teach it as best I know how in the truth, and listen to the Holy Spirit when we speak, and then you are to be the ones that are receptive and pick it up and move forward. And that's why I'm thankful this morning because all the work that's done in the kingdom of God can't be done by just the pastor and his wife. Amen? It takes all of us working together. Of course, this is a good uh, Sunday morning to preach that when we see, um, like I said it before I even started preaching, that we've been working in the bathroom, we've been working on decorating, we've been getting together, we've been having good meetings this week, and all those things add up to a good work of God here. If there's ever anybody that comes in and sits in our midst and sees how we perform as the church, they should be attracted to what they find when they come and visit. Amen? They shouldn't say, man, I don't ever want to go back there again. How many of you, and I, don't raise your hand, but I know several of you told me that. But in your mind, think, how many of you have been to a church you didn't even feel welcome in? You walked in, nobody shook your hand, nobody said hi, you went down and you sat down and they, he preached on the, out of the Reader's Digest and and then you got up and went on your way and nobody said bye or nothing else and uh, it, it was just it felt like a wasted hour, if you would. You know, you went back to the car and had a church service with God. Amen? In prayer, saying, wow, I'm glad the church that I attend is not like that. There are people that travel a lot of miles to come to church here. They pass a lot of other churches. Why would they do that unless they're getting what they came for? Amen. That's what it's all about. Saints, we have to make sure, not just dude and Bonnie, everybody has to make sure that when someone sits beside you in the service, they feel a warmth. They feel like it's, you're, they're connected in the things that God wants us to do here at Faith Christian Fellowship. So here we have Paul and Timothy, who were great men of God. Their lives were totally dedicated, if you would, to being what God would lay on their hearts. And without the faithfulness of the saints at Colossae, they would have probably felt like failures. You know, there's a lot of times that I go home from church here, and I thought, man, I wonder, did anybody hear? And then I hear the testimonies. Then I hear someone call me and say, hey, you know, I, I had came to work in the restroom this week. Uh, I don't remember what day it was. They've all run together, you know. I don't know if it was this week or last week or the next week. But we were here, and I had a check from a fella that I had worked on his mower, and I wanted to cash that check. Of course, he wanted me to cash it too because he wanted his check back to clear his bank account. So I asked the guys to excuse me for a few minutes, went over to Fifth Third Bank, walked in the door. There was one teller in there. I had seen nobody but that one teller. She was right straight in front of me. And I walked in, and the fella that wrote me a check made it out to Dude Evans. That's fine, because in the computers at Fifth Third Bank, it says right there, Dude Evans and Mark Evans, the same guy. And so don't question him if it comes in Dude Evans, because I tell you, I take more checks to the bank that say Dude on them than say Mark. Amen? So I walked in, slapped the check down, and I give her my driver's license with my picture on it, let her know who I am and whatnot. Ask her if she needed an account number. No, I got it right here, and I went through it. Dude, huh, I've got a nephew 
that told me if I ever needed a lawnmower fixed, that he had the phone number of a guy named Dude, and he's as good as they get. I said, well, I don't know about that, but I have been for about 60 years fixing lawnmowers. So if you need a lawnmower fixed, give me a call. She showed me on her phone. This is his picture. And he looked familiar. I mean, but I didn't know his name. You know, I, uh, you know, I probably recognized his mower, but I didn't know him. But nonetheless, your name gets out there. You know what she told me? Dude, I got married in your church. Huh. Yours is the brown one over on the corner, isn't it? Yeah, in front of the school. Yep, that's us. Come on over. Well, she said it was a great time and it had a wonderful wedding there and those stained glass windows made such beautiful pictures in the background. I don't know if Rob married her or who married her. She didn't say who officiated the wedding or how long. She wasn't that old. So, you know, it couldn't have been that long ago. But uh, she said she got married here. I thought, well, that's pretty cool. She wanted to just talk and talk and talk because she saw the name dude. Amen. There ain't that many dudes, surely. All right, but nonetheless, we're doing a work. It's getting out there. Amen. People notice. The longer you do it, the more people are going to notice. And with Paul and Timothy, they passed through Colossae, did the church work, and then went on about their business, and Paul is probably getting phone calls. You know those people in Colossae, they're doing a good job down there. I feel comfortable going into their service. And Paul said, hmm, it's time I write him a thank you note. Well, it took him four chapters to do it, but he wrote him a thank you note. Isn't that cool? So it's the same when it comes to Faith Christian Fellowship. Amen. We're going to run into people. Amen. And I may know them and I may not know them but I'm going to tell them what God's doing at Faith Christian Fellowship thanks to the saints. So as Paul is moving forward here, he wants to know that the kingdom of God is reaching other people and he's wanting them to see that God's word and God's will are being performed in the hearts of the people that are in Colossae. The saints, he calls them, in Colossae. Now the word saint, the word holy, and the word sanctify, all three in the Greek language is the same. The same root word for all three of them. So that's what a saint is. It's a holy person. Rob brought that out in Sunday school for those of you who weren't asleep. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. But, but well, ditto. What Paul wanted to say to the Colossae church, Brother Dude wants to say to Faith Christian Fellowship. Amen. And if Brother Jack was still around, he'd probably want to say the same thing because he was here as pastor for quite a while himself. And he'd want to say, thank you for what you've done for the kingdom of God. Amen. Bonnie and I have done our best over the years to see the work and the will of God manifested in the hearts of, of the saints here in Mason. And we want, to know, we want you to know that we're thankful for all the effort we see as you work in the kingdom of God. After, uh, and all the labor that in the kingdom is for the benefit of future spiritual growth. And I want to say thanks. The church is as we see it, one of several churches the Apostle Paul and his assistants put their uh, soul and 
and hard in and, and they walked the path that they thought was necessary for the kingdom of God to take root in all of those churches. Amen? He did it for the Philippians. He did it for those in uh, Ephesus. He did it all over. Actually, the one in Ephesus, it was a, a bit bigger than Colossae. And guess what Paul did for that one? He told Timothy, why don't you just pastor this one? Amen. We've already started enough. To, why don't you stay here and pastor this one? And of course, that's what we see taking place when we read First and Second Timothy in the New Testament is Paul encouraging Timothy, keep up the good work, brother. You're doing just fine. Amen. So here we go. And the kingdom of God will take root in areas wherever the gospel is uh, preached. And guess what? It now has spread all the way around the world. Amen. Because of faithful saints in little churches that grew into bigger churches and had the Spirit of God move on their hearts and walk where they needed to walk before God. Amen. I'm not going to read every verse in the Colossian letter. But if we did, we would definitely see how Paul wants to show his thanksgiving for all the faithful saints in Colossae. So now drop down and look with me in verse number 12. Now you could read all this, and of course it has an overtone to it of thankfulness, but verse 12 says, Given thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Huh. Giving thanks which has made us meet. Now that M-E-E-T, that that's not the, the present form of the word met, uh, M-E-T, no. It, that word, it means to, to be suitable or compatible. You know what one of the things the people of visitors that come into church want to see? People that are getting along. They work together. They're on the same page. They're compatible. They're suitable. Amen. That's what God said when he made Eve for Adam. I'm going to make something that's meat for you or suitable that you can work with and that can work with you. Amen. God can do a work with people that want to work with God. Amen. The problem is too many people in too many churches think that they need to have the pat on the back instead of letting God have the glory for what's being done in that church. And he says to them, to be partakers. What's a partaker? Oh, that's someone that's committed, someone that's doing something, someone that's adding to of us, to the work there. Each one of us doing our part. We're all partakers in the work that we're trying to do here. And then he says, it's of the inheritance. What's an inheritance tell you? We're all family. God's adopted us. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Amen. We were out in the world just cutting a rug and acting silly. And God says, oh, it's time you change families. Your, your daddy's the wrong daddy you're following. You need to come to our side of the fence, if you would, and get straightened out and be a part of this family. And he calls them the saints of light. Amen? Why? They're not in darkness anymore. They've turned their back on darkness, and they want to learn uh, what it says here. They're ever learning 
the truth of what righteousness means in their life. So when we get to that point, we want to be the saints of light here in town. And verse 13 says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. That's how we became the saints of light. We got delivered from darkness. Isn't that cool? And what, ha what happened after that? And translated us in the kingdom of his dear son. You ever been translated? Hmm. Well, that's not a word we would use if you would, um, in our English language, we'd want to say um, maybe being straightened out. But uh, when we were in darkness, we needed straightened out. Amen? We needed to be corrected. Amen? He calls it translated. In other words, we have been given new life and a new purpose into the kingdom of his dear son. Now when he delivered us from darkness, I know we live in a world where the world is absolutely dis torn in half, if you would, um, division everywhere. And it's, it saddens my heart when I see people um, trying to take everything that happens and make a statement from it so they can divide the people into one group or another. Amen. Now that's the world, what we would call, uh, th that delivered us from darkness. See, a lot of people think what color you are makes a difference. Amen. Well, the problem is not skin. That's spelled wrong. The problem is sin. Amen. That's the darkness we need to be delivered from because the Bible says we're all of one blood. Amen. So whether you're dark-headed, light-headed, no-headed, whatever-headed, Whatever you are, it doesn't matter. You need to be right with Jesus Christ and be translated and given a new life and new purpose by, this, by uh, Christ through the, into the kingdom of God. Because the scripture says, by grace are you saved through faith. Ephesians 2 and 8. Are we thankful for that? Amen. It made all the difference in the world when the grace of the living God was applied to our life. Now, if that doesn't put thanksgiving in your spirit, you better wake up. Drop down with me into verse number 21. We're moving right along here, aren't we? And you, who were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Huh, reconciled. Seems like I heard that somewhere before. Oh, well. Anyway, it means... This is a summary, if you would, of your born-again experience. You've been taken out of that world and given a new world to stand on and live in. Amen? Uh, so if reconcile should ring a bell because that was last Sunday's message. It's when two parties are at odds with one another and somebody comes along and makes peace between you. Amen? So in... in uh, the things that we see here in this reconciliation is what the saints can do if they'll grasp the grace that God offers them. Take hold of it. Say, Lord, lead me where you can use me. Let me be an instrument in your hand. Amen. Sometimes you don't have to go anywhere. God will bring someone to you. Amen. I just went to the bank to cash a check. I didn't know I was going to get to preach a message over there. Amen. That just happens. God will lead people or put people in your path, if you would, that want to see how God's people should react. Amen. 
So now, let's go over to chapter 2. Verse 6 and 7. Man, we're about half done with the book now. He says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How'd you receive him? Hmm. Well, however you did, start walking right then. You know what? God wants to work with you where you are. See, too many people say, well, I got to quit doing this. I got to quit doing that. I got to straighten out this. And I got to do this. And they, they, they miss the opportunity that God wants to grasp them where they are so that he can show them why they shouldn't do this, that, other, why that shouldn't be a part of their life. Why does he want to do that? He wants his word and his spirit to convict you and lead you from day one, if you would, to where you... You know, a lot of us are on different, if you want, we want to call them levels or whatever you want to title you want to put, spiritually with God. Some of us are down the road a little bit farther and have, if you would, a deeper experience with God. Then You know, that doesn't really amount to nothing. Amen. As long as you're hooked in, that's all that matters. Amen. I don't care how much you know about this book or that book or Old Testament or Revelation or anything else. Are you walking daily with God wants you to walk? That's all you need to do. Amen? The saints just need to day by day be what God is showing them to be. Amen? Amen. Inch by inch, it's a cinch. Yard by yard, it's hard. So let's just do it God's way in God's timing and move forward as God wants us to do that. He says that in verse number 7, if we'll do that, we'll be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with... There you go. Thanksgiving. Amen. What's he talking about? As you receive Christ, walk in him. Don't try to get ahead of him. Amen. Don't lag behind. Just walk with him. Amen. You know, I, I would have thought in the days when Christ was walking this earth that a lot of people would have questioned the 12. Said, hey, what are you guys doing? Where are you going? Why are you going with him? You know, I imagine they did. From time to time run in to say, what are you guys doing? Didn't I see you in Galilee? What are you doing down here in Judea? What's going on? Well, we're just following Jesus. Why? Well, maybe you ought to follow him and see. Amen. Just walk with him. Don't try to get ahead of him. Don't lag behind. And then he says we need to be rooted in him. So let's walk with him. Let's be rooted in him. Let's be built up in him. Let's establish our faith in him. Let's be being, being taught, he says, by the word of God and the spirit of God, the two anointed speakers that God's going to use. And then he says let's do it abounding. Amen. Amen. I'm looking forward to tomorrow to see what God has for me in my life tomorrow. I kind of find my experience abounding. I don't want to get ahead of him. I don't want to take any guesswork or any shots in the dark. But I'm waiting for him to show me tomorrow what I need to do for tomorrow. Amen. That we might be abounding. Amen. It's as if you can't get enough of Jesus. I think the disciples, as they walked with him, kind of had that attitude. They were wondering, what's next? Now, they couldn't put the dots together even when they walked with him. Amen. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And they thought, huh? 
What's that got to do with anything? Amen. Well, wherever you're going, Jesus, I'll go with you. No, you're not. You're going to probably drag your feet and kick and stomp and deny and everything else. And one of you is even going to betray. But guess what? If you keep up with Jesus and look for the leading that he has for you, he's going to bring you to where you need to be. And he finishes that verse, and all these things you're going to do with Christ, do it with thanksgiving. Amen. I think the church at Colossae was thankful for what they had and what God was doing in their little church. Notice something here. Paul also says that you need to be thankful for was in verse number 2. Now, we didn't read it, but I'm going to back up there in verse number 2 of the second chapter. And one thing we need to be thankful for, and I'm not going to read it all, but that their hearts might be comforted being knit together. How many of you can knit? Judy Oldfield, you're a specialist. All right. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for knit together. Now, I've never learned to knit. And if you'll look at my hands, you can probably even from there see all the scars and cuts and bruises. And if I had two needles about that long and was trying to work them, you would probably see the holes in my hands. I'm just not that coordinated, I guess, to knit something, but I sure do appreciate the fact that knitting is something that can be mastered, an art if you would, or a skill that can be useful in a lot of ways. Now to knit, what you do is you take these two long needles, if I've got it right in my head, and you take a string of yarn. Is that right? And you just go like this and this and this and this and round and round and pull it up and, and voila, it's a sweater or a scarf or a hat. Well, I think there's a little bit more to that, but what you have done with that skill is taken a piece of string and made it something useful. Amen. Sometimes I look, God, God looks down at us and say, well, there's my little piece of string. I think I want to make them useful. I'm going to take these two little needles I got called the Word of God and Spirit of God, and I'm going to intertwine them with somebody else on the pew down there, and they're going to lock arms and get to work for me and do this, that, and voila! The church is going to perform what I want it to perform. Amen? If it, if it were nothing more than just a string, it wouldn't be much use to us. Amen? It wouldn't even be good for putting in your shoes to tie them to hold them on your feet. But if you take the time to do all of that, then it becomes something useful. That's what I call unity. When I think of how Apostle Paul was talking to these people and how their hearts were knit together, he knew that church had unity operating in it. Okay, now drop over into verse 19. Because as he gets down there, he's starting to tell them, you know, there's some things you guys need to get straightened out a little bit. You're straying away from some of this stuff together. And what you need to do, he says, not holding the head from all the body by joints and bands, having nourished, uh, nourishment ministered and knit together, increaseth with the increase of God. Don't forget, you're not in this alone. Amen. 
Don't think you, just because you sit on the left side and somebody else sits on the right side, that you don't have anything in common with them or there's nothing they can do to help you in what we do for the church. Amen. That phrase, knit together, means we need to be closer as brothers and sisters and willing to help one another be more what God wants us to be. Amen? So when we think of the church, sometimes we look at it and all we see is a bunch of strings. But when God gets done with it and knits our hearts together in God, we can be something that God will be proud of and individuals then can come together as a church to accomplish God's will, being knit together. Isn't that cool? I just love that thought of being knit together. Now, if you change over to the next page in your scriptures or follow us in, on the wall, now if you look at chapters 3 and look at verse 14 and 15, and we're winding down now, Paul. My 15 minutes is about up. All right? He says, above all these things, put on charity. Huh. which is the bond of perfectness. Love can cover a lot of issues. Amen. Amen. It'd be nice to be knit together, but I wouldn't want to be knit together with some devil somewhere. But I don't mind being knit together with the saints. Because the love that binds us together is something that will make us what we need to be for God. Amen? And he says then in verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Amen? I don't know why they put Thanksgiving on the calendar. I'm not in charge of that. I don't even know how it became a holiday or who declared it a holiday. I don't know. I'm kind of thinking that uh, Congress one year probably had an idea they had some extra Christmas shopping to do, so they needed another weekend to get it in a few weeks ahead of time. So they passed a law, said Thanksgiving's a holiday on Thursday. You can take the whole rest of the week off. Maybe you can get your Christmas shopping caught up. I have no idea why they put Thanksgiving in there. But I know as a child of God and everybody that works for God, I'm thankful for. Amen? He says above all these things. What things? Well, whatever things you're thankful for. Paul's writing us to us in this particular letter. He says uh, you need to put on charity. We know that is love because love is the bond of perfectness. Just like being knit together in love, unity comes together when love has been applied to all of our hearts. Love is the glue that when we come together holds us close in the work of God. Amen? That's what it's all about. He says let, in verse 15, let the peace of God rule your heart. Amen? If you don't have the peace of God in your heart, love for your brother or sister is going to be a little bit tougher, if not impossible. But we need to have the peace of God rule our hearts. And now that love then has a chance to be the glue that puts us together 
or knits us together, and let the work as uh, let us work together as one body, called the church. Amen. And he finished it up and said, "And be ye thankful." Isn't that cool? Amen. Since we don't all have the same spiritual gifts, we should be thankful to work with others that have different gifts. Amen. You can't do it all. I can't do it all. Nobody can do it all. But if we work together, let that love glue us together, being knit together in our hearts, uh, working together, all those different gifts then, we can see great things done in the kingdom of God and be thankful for the love that binds us together. Isn't that cool? Amen. Paul was on track when he wrote this. And then, you know, we're just reading it as different portions of it, jumping through it really fast. And there's a lot in it that we could squeeze the juice out of if we slowed down and read it. But now jump down, if you would, down into verse 17. And whatsoever, I'm in verse, chapter 3, Mike, verse 17. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Whatever you do for the church, don't take the glory for it. Amen. I know I, my shoulders, I've got to tell you, from time to time when I work and lift and pull, my shoulders get sore. And they just don't work the way they used to, so I'm really having a hard time patting myself on the back. My arms just won't get there anymore. Amen. They were talking about uh, 40 years ago when they saw me in the church with brown hair and a mustache in Sunday school and what I looked like then. Amen. Those of us that were there knew when the football was set on the ground and you lined up across from me, you had your hands full. Amen. We knew what was going on. We just uh, went from there. But uh, now, nah, I guess they don't have any knack for patting myself on the back. Amen. I don't want to do it physically, and I don't want to do it in my mind. I don't want to take the glory for what God has put together here at Faith Christian Fellowship. So whatever you do for God or anyone else, there should be a thank, thank you that follows that. Amen. We don't do it for the pat on the back or the praise, but thank you sure sounds good as a payment for a lot of the effort that we do in the things of God. When is Thanksgiving appropriate? Hmm. When someone has done something that others receive the benefit from it? That would be worthy of a Thanksgiving. You did something, not for yourself, but to help someone else. What should they say? Huh? Let me just ask you this. Has your boss ever said thank you to you for falling asleep on the job? Now all of us need a nice nap, don't we? But I can tell you if your boss, him or her, sees you asleep at your desk on the job, the first thing out of his mouth is not going to be thank you. Amen? Has your boss ever said thank you for causing trouble or being disruptive at work. Hmm, no. Hmm. 
Has your boss ever said thank you for taking a day off without notice? Left him high and dry, trying to cover for you. I don't think so. Amen. Has your boss ever said thank you because you lied to him about putting your hand in the cash drawer and taking what wasn't yours? Hmm. Did he thank you for that? Huh. Wonder what's going on here. Huh. Well, when is thanks suitable? It's when you did something, no matter how big or small, but you did it for someone else to be helped or assisted. When you hold the door open for someone that's following you through at the bank, the gas station, wherever you go, you look behind you and there's a guy three steps behind you, or a woman, either one, and while you open the door, you stand there and hold it so they can get in. What do they say? Huh? Amen. When, uh, when you're first in the line at McDonald's, you pay for your senior coffee, and the person behind you is getting a breakfast, you say, I'll pay for theirs too. Huh. When they pull up to the window, what do they think? Huh. Well, that was awful nice. Someone bought my breakfast. Amen. Amen. It was just a burrito, but hey, only a dollar, so. But you know what? It sets the wheels to roll. I need to be more thankful. Now, what they do with it's up to them. But you have done your part to be a helping hand or to help someone else along the way. Amen. If you're walking somewhere, you might be in the mall. Somebody just throwed their paper, their uh, candy bar wrapper on the floor. You just kick it aside and keep going. There's a trash can just around the corner there. You could pick it up and drop it in. Nobody's ever going to say thank you for that probably unless someone takes note of what you did. That wasn't your candy wrapper. That wasn't your problem. That wasn't your situation, but you wanted to solve it because it didn't look good in your eyes. So what would you do? You took care of the situation. Amen. In cases like that, sometimes only God can say thank you. Amen. You may even do something that nobody else even knew about it. Amen. You ever done that? I knew people had a need. I go took care of it. They weren't even home. And I left. I don't know if they do. I did it or who did it. But I know they were thankful for it. Amen. When your wife fixes you a great meal, do you say thanks? Yeah? Are you like... Uh, Robert Barone's dad. That's her job. Now, amen, we need to be thankful. Amen, she went out of her way. Amen. I don't know how to cook. I'm not very good at it. I can microwave and hard-boiled eggs is one of my specialties. But come on, you can tell by looking at me. I haven't missed very many meals. Amen. She sent me to the store this week. Amen. She said, I, I got a ham bone left over from our Thanksgiving dinner. 
I ought to cook it and put some great northern beans in it. Wouldn't that be great? Amen. So I went to the store to get great northern beans. They just come in a little bitty bag. Oh, well, that ain't much. So I bought four of them. She said, that's enough for a year. I didn't know. Amen. But she was thankful. We're going to have beans this year. Amen. Amen. How about a church? Is thankful ever appropriate in the church? Amen. Amen. I try to say thank you to everybody if they sing, if they um, testify, if whatever they do, teach Sunday school. I always want to try to have a thank you. If you notice, I've made a practice to open every service when I come from that chair to up here. The first thing I want you to hear out of my mouth is thank you. Amen. Make a note of that and see if I keep up with what I think I should be doing. I think for whatever happened the week before, I want to say thank you to somebody that did something. Amen. Well, I'm going to close right there. How's that, Paul? We made it. We don't need a song. We're not going to have an altar call. I'm just going to close. I'm going to... Uh, just ask right now, is there anything I need to say before we close?